0: Hello and welcome To Maths Matters It's a mini podcast brought to you by me, Julie Gould And me, Phil Smith And in this series we're going to explore what's the point of maths
1: Well, you're about to find out
0: Phil, here we are again I know Last episode, last episode of this season It has been fun The whole series has been fun You know what, I've... I've done maths, you know, we both did physics at university and maths is a huge part of physics. Actually, physics is applied maths.
1: Yeah, and it was something that really kind of struck us as we went through all of the episodes is not only how useful maths is, but how it's everywhere.
0: The episode for me that really highlighted that was the one where we did it about patterns because maths is... Patterns, Maths is pattern recognition in various forms.
1: That's what we're here to do. We're to talk about different forms of maths, different patterns, different things and different people. Uh, and I suppose that's
0: what we wanted to do today was have a look at a few kind of heroes that we found
1: in mathematics
0: Without people, there wouldn't be any maths. Maths is a tool that we use in our world to, to make sense of so many complicated, complex things. But without people, we wouldn't have this tool. Let's talk about who we like, who've done stuff
1: with mats. Julie, hit us with your first person.
0: Mats Matters. Okay, my first person is a lady called Mary Tharp. And she has been described as a map maker extraordinaire. I quite like that.
1: So, does she draw them or what does she do?
0: So she was a geologist and a mathematician and the amazing thing that she did was she was part of a a team that mapped the ocean floor, the Atlantic Ocean floor. So because when she was doing this work, it was in the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, she was a, it was an era where the women were not allowed to go on field experiments with the men. So she had to stay back where the men went off on the ships and collected the data. So they would use echolocation and sonar to to see how deep the ocean was and then they would send all that data and information back to Mary who was on land in the office and she would then plot all of that data and she noticed when she was plotting this data that there was a ridge in the ocean and this ridge turned out to be the mid-atlantic ridge which is a massive mountain chain running through the length of the floor of the atlantic ocean and at the very middle of this is a rift valley And this was the first time that people saw that there was actually a boundary between the great tectonic plates that cover the Earth's surface. And it's one of the largest features on our planet. And before any of this came out, nobody really gave tectonic movement or tectonic plates any sort of great consideration. But her maths and and her skills and her map making changed that.
1: So... Fair play to Mary for doing that. There are heroes who are often in the background.
0: Have you got someone like that that you wanted to share?
1: Well, yeah, actually, I have. And I, obviously, we had this task of finding heroes, and often that involves a search. Because, you know, we start singing this song, I need a hero, and then one emerges. Because obviously, when you sing that song, someone emerges. But I was looking around and I was trying to not pick someone obvious. As in like who would be standout straight. So I started doing a little bit of digging and in the end I ended up fighting someone obvious as anyway, because this person is yeah, but their family, I suppose, is the connection. That actually what drew me to the, to my to my one now. Uh, so the person that I wasn't trying to find was Robert Boyle, but I found him anyway. And I also found his sister. So his sister, they're not like a crime fighting team. They were like a problem solving team because scientists solve problems. So his sister was Catherine Boyle, then Catherine Jones when she got married. She was Lady Ranelagh and... Robert and Catherine were a fantastic team together. Now, Robert, he got more recognition than necessarily she did. But equally, they were both working together. And as he was known as the father of chemistry and she works on it, chemistry is like another form of maths. Because in chemistry, you've got chemical equations. You like, you add electrons, you take them away. And you always try to balance the side of equations as well. So there's lots of like addition, subtraction and figuring out how things work. But it's in puzzles and patterns, which also is what we've talked about in, in maths Math. The way that I got to even thinking about Robert Boyle was through Boyle's Law, because I scuba dive, and Boyle's Law is to do with how pressure and volume are inversely related to each other. So as pressure builds up, volume decreases. So if you imagine that you had a balloon of a certain size and you brought it down underwater, as you got deeper and deeper and the pressure built, that balloon would get smaller and smaller. So its volume would shrink. And as it return to the surface, the pressure would decrease and the volume would spread out again. So you've got all these equations. The equation for Boyle's Law is P1V1 is equal to P2V2. So pressure one, volume one is equal to pressure two, volume two. So there's a balancing. There's lots of maths involved in chemistry. And I just thought that the team of Lady Ranla and Robert Boyle was awesome and they did so much for the world, but in a different way that you might not have thought of maths
0: in. So the the pressure volume rule that you're talking about the Boyle's law that you that you mentioned. Um, you know, Boyle has his name on it. He's clearly very famous for it. But you said he does so much work with his sister. Did she get any of the recognition at all? Well yeah, like Mary Tharp, I mean at the sign of the Times like she was she was
1: born in, in sixteen fifteen, which is a very different time, but she had great influence and was able to work with her brother and like across Other scientific fields with other scientists to really make a difference in the world. And like we're talking about her now. So she wasn't forgotten. It was just the times that they were in that she wasn't able to maybe be as prominent as she could have been now. Imagine what she would have been like if she was alive now. How cool would that have been?
0: That would have been really cool. And there's actually a lady that I wanted to talk about. Good one. Who... Only passed away last year. Um, and she was formidable. She was actually, you know, she's one of the most famous mathematicians uh, in the world. So her name is Catherine Johnson, and she was born in 1918. And she died at 101 years old, but she was very well recognised and very well rewarded for the mathematical genius that she had. So
1: even her death, she got to 101, was in binary. So like, I mean, to the very end was like loving maths here. Like I'm going maths all all the way. way. Good work.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Good work. So she worked for NASA and when she was 34, um, NASA started looking to employ black female mathematicians. So she she took the opportunity and she joined the team and she actually became one of the most influential and leading mathematicians there. And some of the coolest things she worked on was space travel, which is obviously what NASA is for. But she she used geometry for space travel. And she was basically, we talked about how before computers, humans were computers. Well, she was one of them. So she was the human computer and she used her brain and a pencil and a pen and a piece of paper and she figured out the paths for the spacecraft to orbit around the Earth and to land successfully on the moon. I mean, isn't isn't it amazing to think that people used to do that with just like a pencil and a piece of paper and they had to get it right? Like, you know, space travel isn't just like you know, ah, well, whatever, make a mistake here and there, we're making a big deal. But, like, it really is a big deal. You do not want to go crashing into the moon.
1: No, you do not. And, like, actually, there's a level of trust that comes with it. And funnily enough, Julie and I hadn't talked about who we were going to pick before recording this. And my next person actually worked directly with your last person. Amazing. Yeah, my next person was Buzz Aldrin. And Buzz was the the second person on the moon. How did Buzz use maths? Buzz was called an egghead at NASA he also had another nickname uh, after his PhD which was called Doctor Rendezvous now that does sound like he's a spy somewhere kind of like meeting do you have the papers like you Julia I go like this is Red Fox do you have the dossier and you we should get Jane, Jane Bond. Blond- Blond- oh, actually I do, do want to do more work with James Bond. He was incredibly professional uh, but Buzz was a fighter pilot So he would use like physics and maths And a lot of flying and stuff But he wanted to be an astronaut Having seen Russia launch Sputnik Wasn't going to be allowed Because you had to be a test pilot Rather than a fighter pilot So what he did He went back to college And did uh, a PhD on a thesis On how could two spaceships rendezvous Or connect to each other in space And he dedicated the thesis to other people Who were going to fly the missions But he worked together with other people at NASA to be able to, you know, connect and use that geometry that you described to be able to have, because in space, like on Earth, you've got the ground to look at or to figure out, like, if what angle you're at. In space, there is no up. There is no down. You just have to kind of Figure it out with maths and Buzz and Catherine and all of the others that were there used maths to be able to you know get things and they were like they had to everything was so precise they had fifteen seconds of fuel left at one say stage fifteen seconds and they still did it landed on the moon and came back five four three two one zero all engine running. Liftoff! We have a liftoff. Thirty-two minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo Eleven. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program.
0: Neil Armstrong reporting the roll and pitch program, which put Apollo Eleven on a proper heading.
1: I'm impressed with all of the NASA's people. That, that we call them NASA tears. NASA. What are they? Nasketeers?
0: Nasketeers. No, Nasketeers.
1: That's much better. <laughs> Nasketeers is much better. One for all and one to the moon. I don't know. Yes. But all right, right. Well,
0: I want to tell you about my, my last person now. Um, yes. So another lady. Woo-hoo, there's loads of ladies on this. I know there's loads of ladies in maths. Girls are good at maths. Um, this girl in particular, she was a mathematician and an inventor. So Hertha Ayrton, she was alive from the mid 1800s until the early 1920s. So a long time ago, but she had a huge impact on the world of maths. And she was the first female to win the Hughes Medal, one of the most famous medals or awards in mathematics in 1906. What did she do? Well, Hertha was an inventor, like I said, and one of the most amazing things that she invented was this thing called a, a line divider. So, you know, they're the saying how long is a piece of string? How long is a line?
1: 10 centimetres. 10, 11 centimetres? Four. Three.
0: Well, fifteen. it's twice, it's twice the length ah. of, of... It's half. Ah. Call back
1: to the old episode. Nice.
0: But what she did was she created a device that could divide a line into any number of equal parts so this is called a line divider so it didn't matter how long the line was or how short it was this tool could divide the line into equal segments and that meant that you could scale the line up or down which was really useful for architects who were doing drawings who had to make to scale drawings of you know buildings that they were going to build um, so that was an incredible and very useful invention but that's not my favourite thing about her what's your favourite thing about her so she studied ripples in the sand
1: that sounds like when you've dropped an ice cream at the beach like you've, you've a ripple in the sand like I've just I feel like I'm trying to lick an ice cream you know like the raspberry ripple ice creams and it's just ah,
0: uh, no not that no, kind of actual ripple. ripples the okay. actual ripples in the sand caused by the movement of water over the sand So, you know, it's a a very niche area to study Um, not one that many people would be interested in, whether or not at the time studying ripples in the sand has huge, you know, future potential applications.
1: She didn't know,
0: but I imagine one day she was strolling along the beach and she saw these ripples in the sand and thought, "Ooh, I want to know where they come from.
1: Is she? Do you ever hear the song that goes "Ripples in the rock pool, ripples in the sea, ripples in the rock pool, rolling into Connemara"? Da 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 da. Did you don't, that doesn't ring any no, bells? to no so everybody who's in the UK, that means nothing to you. But to people in Ireland, I oh, I don't know if people are being triggered, but and they just have to sing that song. But is, is that me? T- send if you're listening to this podcast, send us in a message if that song means anything to you, or if it's just me, let let, let us know. But also continue, Julian. I'm sorry for distracting.
0: Julia. Okay, so. <laughs> She studied ripples in the sand and how they behave. And she published a paper in the Proceedings of the Royal Society in 2010. And it was called The Origin and Growth of Ripple Mark. Her paper was written. I've read parts of it. I've got to admit, I haven't read all of it, but I have read parts of it. And the way she wrote her paper is so lovely. The language that she uses is just so reader friendly. And the thing about the paper that struck me the most was how much of the actual scientific process came through in her writing that was so that reflected what the actual scientific process was. Not not like, you know, this was my method. I did this, this, this and this and and then this happened and I applied this mathematical equation and blah blah blah. But it was more Is it the emotional side? Yes. Yes. So it was it's very emotional. And one I picked up one sentence that I like the best, which was so this is a quote from her paper. The solution of the problem cost me several weeks of observation and experiment, yet it was absurdly simple when it came. Now, I can just imagine she's doing these experiments for weeks on end and observing and going over it and repeating and repeating and feeling like she's hitting her head against the brick wall until one day she gets this like flash of inspiration or one of her experiments just shows her something completely new and just like that it just comes to her
1: and that's actually one of the things I liked about Hertha's story was that there was a real honesty to it and there's not these real big Eureka! I've got it! moments and then an explosion there's lots of little moments that you always try to just do that little bit better and get the next bit down and it's actually how you can really see progress happening and progress has happened so much not only in science in terms of what we've discovered but even like what we talked about today about how women have been part of it and how girls are awesome at pretty much everything but also particularly maths and actually my last person that i was going to select is that one person julie It's, it's it's a few people um, I oh couldn't dear. pick Bring I, it yeah. on Phil Let's I see the list <laughs> I, Please Please wait for the next 45 minutes While Phil rattles on I mean look I found a list I was looking for mathematicians And I found this list Of actual Astonishing people And the first was like Margaret MacDonald Who was Like she had a, a, an MSc In maths And then she was fired From her job as a professor Because uh, she got married Like and then went again And took proceedings Again that, Like fought for women's rights uh, And how she was Trying to get more Like in Trinity College How they wouldn't even Admit women and fight against that cause particularly in in Matt's, that was Mary Everest looking run out of breath before I get through all of these but I'm going to give it a go Mary Everest one of the like huge achievers uh, from England married to George Boole we talked about Boole Boolean maths I remember that Remember? Do you remember Boolean maths Julie Do
0: you remember Boolean maths it's true I do remember she was
1: the first professor of maths at Queen's College which is now UCC in Cork everyone who's down there now or Alice Boole which was one of her daughters went on to like visualising things in four dimensional shapes and like 4D polyopes and things I don't understand but it's us and how she challenged against and fought against how women weren't getting like the recognition that they deserve some of the things that we've identified even in this short small depth look into it or even Sheila Power who was probably the most well-known mathematical woman to come from Ireland and uh her father was a professor in, in again in, in UC University College Galway she worked in, under uh, Nobel Prize winning Max Bourne at Edinburgh for two years she was one of the first three resident scholars at Dias when she was then like when she set up by which was set up by Eamon de Valera there's, there's so many people and one of the things that we wanted today was to kind of like oh let's Julie and I go some to inspiring mathematical people it's been a pleasure
0: yeah, it has. It's been a total pleasure. And I think the reason I chose the people that I chose for this was because they were linked in one way or another to some of the things that we discussed on the podcast. So we had Mary Tharp, who was a, a cartographer and a geologist. And in one of our episodes, we talked about negative numbers and how they're used to depict sea levels and the depth of the sea. A hundred metres down,
1: minus a hundred metres
0: oh. You're courting me. you ah, will take ages. You've done this before. Come on. Let's get going thought that was quite interesting connection there because she looked at the Atlantic Ocean and then there was Catherine Jones who used geometry which we talked about on a couple of episodes and how she used that for space travel which I thought was amazing and then the ripples in the sand from Hertha Ayrton well there's no real link there I just thought that was a really cool Cool bit of research. <laughs> just, I just found yeah. it quite interesting. Really, that's all.
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of what I did. I did. I didn't necessarily go back to who we talked about, but because uh, I just found people that I liked and uh, I connected, and like it's which whatever works for you, dear people. When you're going to research and find things, find something that interests you and see where the maths, where the science, where you fit in it. It's all about exploring with yourself and the world and how we can make it
0: a better place. So one final thing that I wanted to add, which and I hope that we've highlighted in this episode and and hopefully that you've experienced across all the other nine episodes is that maths is for everyone. Okay, because it is everywhere and you can't go through life without doing some maths, whether it's baking in your kitchen or counting how many snails there are in your garden or being an epidemiologist and studying the effects of COVID-19 on the people around you. You know, maths is absolutely everywhere. And that's why I believe it's for everyone. And if you are a little bit afraid of maths, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's okay because... It's merely
1: a little snafu, a little problem that you can get over with a bit of exploration and a bit of practice. Because at the end of the day... Maths matters. Thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Bye. julie hi and i'm phil and we're excited because we've got a brand new podcast
1: it's called let's dive in and you should go get it wherever you get your podcasts it's all about
0: science science so your questions come to us and we have a go at trying to answer them
1: now we also have a go at coming up with some experiments that you can try yourself at home
0: and if we can't answer the questions we will go to an expert who will help us find the answer
1: and they're good they know how to talk about things how to explain things and the good thing about this is it's not just for kids you'll actually learn something yourself no matter what age you are six
0: to 662 so let's dive in like and subscribe and most of all have fun
1: yes and we'll see you soon bye bye or hear you soon hear you soon will they hear us i don't know
0: Dooley, no <laughs> i can't hear you just...
1: we're we're <laughs> new to this <laughs>